0: This evening, inshallah, we're going to complete the first bundle, or even the second bundle of principles. So we said that the very first bundle was principles from the Qur'an about the cognitive matters, matters of perception, things that the Muslim needs to be aware of well before he or she enters into the marriage. And then we have the second batch of principles, which are the principles from the Qur'an, for the duration of the marriage to ensure that it is flourishing and it is blossoming. We're going to complete the second batch this evening with principle number 10. Then we're going to start the third batch, the penultimate batch, which are principles from the Qur'an to deal with problems as and when they begin to arise in a marriage. And of course, we will conclude with the fourth batch, which is principles from the Qur'an post-divorce. So principle number 10, this is from the batch of what still we're completing for the flourishing, the blossoming of a marriage. It's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Ibrahim, When your Lord proclaimed that if you are grateful, I am going to increase you. كَفَرْتُمْ But if you are ungrateful, then indeed my punishment is severe. This, what you just heard, dear brothers and sisters, is a, a metaphysical equation. One that says, where there is gratitude, there will be abundance. And where there is ingratitude, there will be a deficiency. This is a law that is fixed and it is stationary. This law that if you show gratitude, Allah will increase is just as predictable as the rising of the sun is on every single morning. And it is just as fixed as the Newtonian laws of physics that you studied at school. Gratitude equals an increase in things for you to be happy about and to thank Allah for. Ingratitude equals more things for you and I to complain about. And this rule of gratitude equals abundance applies to every one of the walks of life. This is business, financial, this is marital, social at the wider level, it is spiritual. Where there is shukr, there is an increase and the opposite is just as true. This is why I love the words of Imam al Biqa'i, who said that, Inna shukra qaidul wa saidul mafqudi. He said, Gratitude is the shackle which you use to chain up what you have, and gratitude is the bait that brings you what you don't. Gratitude are the chains, the shackles that protects and preserves what you have but not just that he said it is the bait it's the rod that fetches you the things that you don't have so you see how valuable a principle this is for a husband and wife in their marital relationship where there is shukr, mutual gratitude between them and above that gratitude to allah for having one another what type of flourishing and blossoming this can bring into a marriage and you find subhanAllah that the Qur'an has given so many promises. But more often than not, these promises of Allah are linked to His Mashia, meaning His divine will. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, for example, Allah provides to whomever He wills. Look at how this was connected to His mashia. If He wills, He will provide. Allah Almighty He said, a second example. Allah yasha. He said, Allah will increase you in His bounty if He if He wills. Again, connected to His what? His Mashiah, His Divine Will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He said in the context of dua, He will respond to your dua and He will remove your difficulty, if He wills. Three examples from the Qur'an that you just heard, where Allah is giving, is connected to His divine will, if He wills. Yet when He subhanahu wa ta'ala, speaks about gratitude, there is no connection to His mashia. He said, La in If you are grateful, I'm going to increase you. And the ayah does not say, if Allah wills as if to say it is such a certain guarantee that if you are grateful, Allah will increase you and there is no need to say if Allah Almighty wills. And everything, of course, is by the will of Allah. This is a message. However, subhanAllah, it seems that the tendency of the human being is one of lu a nasty bit of work at times how ingratitude is inculcated embedded installed within the human being it seems to be a human tendency that we will show ingratitude to those people and those things that are nearest to us whether that is allah jalla جل jalaluhu who is the nearest to us in respect to his knowledge and his favors and his hearing and his seeing allah said about us al insana kafar." man by his nature is Unjust. And he is very ungrateful, kafar. And very ungrateful towards our mothers and fathers, the nearest of people, and ungrateful towards our husbands and wives. And perhaps in the relationship of marriage is where we see ingratitude, ingratitude appearing in its most manifest forms. So you will find that in the early years or the early months, let us say, of a marriage, Anything that one spouse does to the other is interpreted in the greatest light and praise is lavished. Thank you so much. How could I be living without you? You appreciate your husband, dear sister, in the early parts of your marriage for being that knight in shining shining armor, bringing home a handsome income each evening, providing for the house. You appreciate that. You're grateful. But what happens is that with the passage of months and years, all of a sudden, the narrative changes she starts to say, well, why should I thank him? This is his duty. If he's not providing for me, he's gonna be providing for another woman. Ah, ingratitude now begins to, the cancerous roots of ingratitude are beginning to appear in that family. And likewise, a husband may say to his wife, although in the early parts of their marriage, the meal that his new bride cooked for him was the best meal in the world and he was so grateful. Now, with the passage of a few years, it's like, why should I be grateful? If you're not cooking for me, you'll be cooking for another man. There's nothing special in that. After all, it's your duty, he will say. Ah, ingratitude. And then issues begin to arise, and they go to the therapist and the counselor, and they say, it must be ayn, sheikh. It must be hasad. Something is affecting the relationship. No, it could be a lot less complicated than that. It could be simply because we have avoided this principle that says what? If you are grateful, Allah says, I will increase you, a promise from Allah Jalla And studies have found, this was done by the University of Georgia, that those married couple who are grateful to one another have the highest percentage of seeing their marriage survive and thrive. And those who are ungrateful have the greatest tendency to walk away from one another in divorce. Gratitude is a, is, a, is a mentality of abundance. It is a bringer of what you don't have and a preserver of what you do. So now the question that poses itself is, how does one express gratitude? How does one unlock this treasure trove of opportunities by being grateful to one's spouse? Imam Ibn Qayyim, he tells us that gratitude to Allah has three pillars. And what we can do is extend those pillars to our relationship with our wives, our husbands. The same three pillars apply. How does one show gratitude to Allah We mentioned it in the Change of Heart series for those of you who are with us. Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, he says, يَكُونُ <laughs> He said, gratitude to Allah is shown first of all internally by way of your heart when it submits and humbles itself to Allah. That's the first pillar of gratitude. It's an internal one. He said, number two, gratitude is verbal by way of what you say, praise and acknowledge the virtues of Allah upon you. And pillar number three, practically by way of submitting. Obeying Allah. So he says that one who is grateful to Allah truly shakir li an truly thankful to Allah's favours, he's thankful to him internally, he's thank- thankful to him verbally, and he's thankful to him practically. Every one of those three is required. And this, is a, this is a blessed trinity, and this is an obligation. Now, if you were to extend this trinity, if you were to extend these three pillars to the marital relationship, I say to you, gratitude to your husband or wife is of three pillars. It's the exact same thing. First of all, now we want to put this principle into application. There has to be an internal sense of gratitude to your spouse. If you want Allah to give you the treasures associated with this principle, which is, لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ I will give you more. An internal one. What does that mean? It means that deep down inside of you, you're very grateful to have a spouse. You're grateful to be married. Within you, you are so thankful to Allah, first and foremostly, for sending you a spouse who's chosen you over all people. And then you are grateful to your spouse. Uh, the Messenger وسلم, said, as Ibn Hibban narrates, on the authority of Abu Hurairah that the Prophet said أَحَدُكُمْ رَبَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ One of you will meet his Lord on the Day of Judgment. And Allah will say to him أَلَمْ أُسَخِّرْ لَكَ الْخَيْلَ وَالْإِبِلْ Did I not subdue for you horses and camels? أَلَمْ أَذَرْكَ تَرْأَسْ وَتَرْبَعْ Did I not give you leadership and positions of authority on the land? And then he says, what? Look at question number three. Alam fulada? Did I not marry you to such and such woman? al khuttabu. Many men wanted her in marriage. فَمَنَعْتُهُمْ And I prevented them. وَزَوَّجْتُكَ And I married you to her. So this is the first pillar of gratitude to your spouses internally. You are in acknowledgement to Allah Jalla Jalaluhu, that He's given you marriage. And you are in acknowledgment to your spouse for being there for you. So what I'm sharing with you now is not an intellectual exercise. This is not about a theory that needs to be understood. This is about a deep, internal, contemplative conversation you have with yourself where you are genuinely grateful to Allah for giving you this individual in your life with their flaws and with their blemishes. And you see our Prophet وسلم, we quoted his words when he praised Khadija and she had passed away. What do you read in the undertone of his kalam, of his praise? It is thankfulness, it is gratitude for her. When he praised her, what would he say? She believed in me when all others disbelieved. And she said to me, I'm truthful when everyone else said I was a liar and she gave me from her wealth when everyone else deprived me. And Allah gave me children from her, and I have no children from any other wife. What do you read in the undertone of those words? Gratitude to Khadijah. So if yani, uh, you are struggling with this, and you're not content, and you feel that you could have done better and your heart feels it is not grateful ask yourself a few questions perhaps it will change is it not such that my wife takes care of my children and cleans my home and tends to my needs if the answer is yes then prostrate to allah in gratitude and say alhamdulillah because many other men as you may know are spending heaps of, of heaps of money trying to find uh, uh, house cleaners and tutors and child minders to do what your wife is doing free of charge. Dear sister, if your husband, is he not bringing somewhat of a reasonable income, an average income on each evening, each month, if the answer is yes, say Alhamdulillah, that Allah has spared you the burden of needing to fend for yourself and you are spared from the day to day anxieties of work, and the anxiety of an unknown future, and you've been blessed with the stability of marriage, say alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Is it not my brother, my sister, that your spouse tries her best religiously with her flaws, with his flaws, they pray five times a day? Say alhamdulillah because your neighbor is complaining of a spouse who's refusing to pray. You have so much to be grateful about. What is the opposite of this? The opposite of what? of having internal gratitude, feeling it inside before we talk about the other two pillars. The opposite of this is discontentment. Always comparing your spouse with others. Always feeling that you could have somehow pulled someone far prettier, far taller, darker, and more handsome, someone far richer than your husband, far more beautiful than your wife. This person will never be satisfied. Because as they say that gratitude is something which if you use, that which is with you will increase. And when you don't have gratitude, nothing will ever be enough. And shaitan is always whispering to the ingrate, the kafir, the ingrate, saying to him or her the grass is always greener on the other side. You have no idea what you've missed out on. La Wallahi, the one who is ungrateful to Allah and ungrateful to their spouse. The grass will never be greener for them on any side. And this is a fact. Allah Jalla He says, Don't wish for the things that Allah has preferred some of you over others. Don't long for them. And look at the ones who are beneath you. Don't look at those who are above you because that will help you not belittle the favor of Allah upon you. So this is the pillar number what? Number one, the idea of ash uh, yakunu bil-qalbi, the internal sense of gratitude, that you're really grateful to Allah that you are married to a Muslim or a Muslim with their faults and their blemishes. You are married. You now have an outlet. Think of your brothers and sisters who do not. Think of a time when your only companion were the whisperings of shaitan and you remember where that takes where that took you and where it takes people. Alhamdulillah. The second pillar we said is the verbal shukr. The verbal sense of gratitude. To say to this individual from time to time, I am grateful for you. Jazakillahu Khairan Barakallahu fiqh for what you provide and the value you add to this family. And we couldn't do it without you after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And see, it is very sad when. This pillar of gratitude, speaking about it, is only mentioned in a counselling session. When husband and wife, they're now speaking to a sheikh about their problems, and the brother or the sister will say to their spouse, but you know, honey, that I love you. You know that I'm so grateful. She says, now you're saying it, you haven't said that for years. Why in this session? People want to hear it. In fact, if Allah Jalla جل Jalaluhu, who knows what is inside of you, you may be the most grateful Muslim in the world to him. He knows what is inside of you, yet He wants to hear you praise Him. What then of human beings? What then of weak and meek, deficient human beings like us? We want to hear it. And that's why the Prophet Sallallahu said, hadith of Usama ibn Zayd Whoever has a favor done for him, and then he says, look, he says, jazakallahu Khairan expresses gratitude, then you've given full praise. You have given full praise when you say jazakallahu Khairan. You've reciprocated the favor. The idea is that it needs to be what? It needs to be expressed verbally. Don't be stingy. It doesn't cost anything, but it adds unlimited value to a relationship. In fact, when a man was with the Prophet Sallallahu and he saw another Sahabi walking by and he said, Messenger of Allah, I love that man over there. He said to him, did you ever tell him? He said, no, he said, go and tell him. So he went and he said to the man, I love you for the sake of Allah. And the man said, I too love you for the sake of him whom you loved before. Express it. The opposite of this is what? The opposite of this is never expressing it. And here you have an issue. And that's why the messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said about the ungrateful spouse, he said, لا ينظر الله إلى امرأة لا لزوجها وهي لا عنه The hadith of Al-Hakim, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As. Allah does not look at a woman Allah does not look at a woman who does not express her gratitude to her husband while she cannot do without him. The idea of expressing gratitude is not enough to say, she should know. I mean, I'm working nine till five every day for who? I'm paying the bills for who? I'm bringing in the shopping for who? This is the practical gratitude. We'll speak about that in a moment. But people need to hear it. And in the hadith of Al-Bukhari, on the authority of Ibn Abbas, the messenger, sallallahu alayhi said, أَكْثَرُ النِّسَاءُ He said, I was shown the hellfire. And I saw that the majority of its inhabitants were women. And that is because they engage in a lot of kufr. And kufr, as you know, can be translated or understood as rejection of Allah. Or it can be understood as being ungrateful. And he meant here the latter meaning. And that's why the women, when they heard this, they said, Yakfurna Billah, Messenger of Allah. Do you mean that people disbelieve in Allah? We women, we are disbelieving in Allah? He said, no. Yakfurna al ashira wa yakfurna al qat He said, no, what I mean by this is that they're ungrateful to their husbands and they are ungrateful to his favors he said he said he may do a lifetime's worth of good to her but if he makes one mistake she will turn around and say to him you've never done anything good for me this is the hadith after a lifetime's worth of goodness you may make one mistake and she will say you have never done any good for me so the opposite of expressing gratitude is this and look at where it can land a muslim man or a muslim woman so we said pillar number one is the idea of the internal sense of gratitude, that you feel it inside. Number two, it is a, a verbal manifestation of shukur. You express it. Jazakillahu khairan. Barakallahu feek. You speak about it. This is proven to improve the quality of a marriage. And number three, one of the most important dimensions is the practical aspect of shukur. Gratitude to one another. Practical gratitude. The first is useless. The second is useless if that third pillar is missing. How many times have couples have said, I don't care if you are grateful inside of you, if you feel grateful. I don't care if you tell me how much you love me and how grateful you are to me as a husband or wife. What I care is about what money talks, right? Actions speak louder than words. Walk the walk, where is it? The practical gratitude. And practical gratitude could be, for example, sharing the burdens of one another, the burdens of life. A husband who helps around in the, in the house. A wife who is reasonable in her request from her husband. Gifts that they give to one another. These are examples of practical gratitude. And perhaps one of the most obvious manifestations of practical gratitude in the marital world is the element of faithfulness to avoid infidelity, to keep your gaze lowered, to keep your affection shared with one individual and one alone, especially when it is outside of the department of that which is halal. A person who is unfaithful to his or her spouse, at the core of what they are doing, is screaming out to the world and saying, I am ungrateful for the ni'mah of the righteous, the permissible spouse that Allah has gifted me with. I am discontent with his favor. I will look elsewhere. And that's why Makhlad ibn al-Husayn, one of our predecessors, he said, when defining a shukr, he said, He said that people used to say, gratitude is the avoidance of sins. He said, if you're looking for a definition of gratitude, shukr, it is the avoidance of sins. So in the language of marriage, it is gratitude. It is the avoidance of what destroys a marriage, and what destroys a marriage more than infidelity and being unfaithful. And such an individual has forgotten that the principle we are studying now, if you show gratitude, I will increase you. He has forgotten that he has a second half. But if you are ungrateful, my punishment is severe. Ah, and now that he has become or she has become an unfaithful spouse, they are now tasting the bitter consequence of this latter half of the principle. They are seeing now the punishment of being ungrateful. They all complain of the same thing. May Allah pardon them all and pardon us. They see what it means now when the punishment of Allah arrives for not being fully grateful for this ni'mah. They see now a, a dysfunctional family because the gaze has been wandering around and affection has been shared with others and kind and romantic words has extended beyond the permissible spouse. And now their family comes crumbling down when it is discovered. Dysfunctional family. Allah said, My punishment is severe for the ungrateful ones. Children who now experience the full force of their parents' infidelity. And the trauma when they feel that mom and dad have exchanged us for another set of children. They grow up confused and unaware. And then huge financial repercussions traveling from area to area, city to city, because kids are not with you anymore, or legal settlements or their likes. And then you have that cancerous sore of regret that cripples you for ill and poor choices you made in your life. And then you see the trust that has been demolished in the life of your wife or husband that is very difficult to repair and rarely is it repaired. Because in these things, in most cases, we only have one chance. And you begin to experience these pains, these anguishes that keep you up at night because of these ill decisions. And you remember, la ilaha illallah, how valuable your spouse was, how beautiful the good old days were. You remember how grateful you should have been now you realize how valuable your spouse was. but guess what? It's a little bit too late now. It's a little bit too late. Allah said, "Well, in Kafartum, if you are ungrateful in la Shadied, my punishment is severe." And Allah Jalalu جل said, Allah has given the example of a city. Aminatan It was safe and secure. Its provisions were coming to it abundantly from all places. What happened? But it became ungrateful towards the favours of Allah. So what happened? So Allah made that city taste the extremes of hunger and fear because of what they used to do. Many husbands and wife were like this, in a beautiful relationship, their provision coming to them from all places, physically, spiritually, in terms of food and drink, in terms of finances, security, agreement, it was all in place. But one of them was ungrateful to the favor of Allah, and they began to knock on the doubtful doors and Allah made them taste the extremes of hunger or thirst or poverty or fear or insecurity or depression or anguish or their likes because of what they used to do. So brothers and sisters, if we are grateful to Allah جل جلاله, and then to our spouses, Allah has promised an increase. Please realize that the pursuit for happiness and individual pleasure, has become in the 21st century, like a God that is worshipped. It's become like an idol. The pursuit of happiness is a religion today. And it's bringing a greater burden than it is liberation and happiness. This is the reality. And rather now talking about what you can give, the idea is about what you can receive, what the government, what people, what your family, what your spouse can do for you. The sense of entitlement is phenomenal. And that's why there's everyone, everyone's talking about human rights, but rarely, rarely will you find someone talking about human responsibilities. They have placed, the philosophies of the 21st century, they have placed the human being at the center of the universe. Everything must serve him. Everything has to, is about happiness and your individual satisfaction. Nothing else matters. And what happens as a result of this, you are now running after a worldly, earthly utopia that is untainable and uh, Allah has been sidelined and that creates a void in the heart and that void is crippling to gratitude. It's crippling to shukur. And there is really no better secret that can put a therapist and a counselor out of business better than the secret of gratitude. With it, we will not need any of these professionals. So if you are grateful, Allah has promised an increase. And I hope you see how valuable this is in the world of marriage. This is the end of the second batch of principles, which we said were principles for the duration of a marriage when things are going well. Now we move on to principle 11. This is introducing a new batch. These are principles we're going to deal with from the Quran for when the boat of marriage begins to rock. When issues begin to arise, and I share with you principle 11, the first of these principles from this third batch. And this is where Allah جل said in Surah 66 of the Qur'an, He, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa made some of it known, and he overlooked other parts. What does that mean? There was a problem that happened between the Prophet and some of his wives. And so when he addressed the problem, and he was not to blame, Allah said, commenting on the behavior of the Prophet Allah said that he made some of it known. Meaning he told them about some of his grievances and the things that they did. But he overlooked other parts. In other words, he did not give them a full report of all of their downfalls. He mentioned some and he overlooked other parts. And the key word here is what? أَعْرَضَ عَنْ بعض. He overlooked some parts. There is a concept in our religion known as At taghaful you can translate it as overlooking. You can translate it as artificial unawareness. Or you can translate it as feigning ignorance pretending to be unaware of a matter being in a relationship where there is constant criticism over every minor and major micro matter is very annoying and suffocating and that criticism can take the form of critique um, course correction frowning editing Um, Whatever it may be, whatever you do, there is a sense of editorial commentary that's happening. Everything you do seems to be wrong, and this is very agitating for a spouse. Allah said about the Prophet ﷺ, he made known some of it, but he he overlooked other parts. And John Gottman, who's a couples researcher, he said that nitpicking is a huge predictor of marital failure when one or the other is constantly blaming constantly criticizing constantly pointing out the blemishes more often than not this relationship will fail mr gottman he said so what is this an idea of overlooking or we're calling it تغافل? i'm going to give you a definition and try to memorize it the scholars they say attaghafulu huwa al It is to feign ignorance. It is to act as if you are unaware. Whilst being fully aware of what it is that you're overlooking. So why do you do it? The definition says, because of an inner sense of nobility that causes you to rise above petty matters. Did you get the definition? They say, al al-taghaful is to feign ignorance whilst being fully aware of what it is that you're turning a blind eye to. And that is due to a sense of inner nobility that causes you to rise above petty matters. I think that it is very difficult to sustain a long-term marriage without this principle of learning how to focus on the war, even if it means you have to lose a few battles along the way. It is key. And that's why you find it exhibited in the life of the Prophet Is it not that they used to curse him? They did. And they used to call him Mudammam. His name is Muhammad the praised one. They would call him Muthamman, meaning the reviled one, the despised one, God forbid. But what would he say? Zahih al Bukhari, he would say, He said to his companions, Don't you find it amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala averts from me the cursing and swearing of Quraysh? They're cursing and swearing a man called Muthammam, but my name is Muhammad. So why should I be offended? They're cursing a different man. Now, my question to you, brothers and sisters, was he not aware that you were intended? Was he not aware that when they said mudamna, they were speaking about him? Of course he was aware, but this is what we are speaking about here. This idea of taghafir, this idea of overlooking, this idea of keeping your eyes on the macro, the bigger picture. And you, my brother, as a leader of your family, this is required from you in higher dosages than even your spouse. This is expected from a leader to not be nitpicking and to not want to get the his way in every single argument and discussion, but understands that sometimes I will have to forsake some of my rights whilst ensuring that I am giving the full rights that other people deserve. This is the element of taghaful. It is a noble characteristic. It's an honorable trait. And you find, remember the hadith of Umm Muzarah that we spoke about, when our mother Aisha, she said that there were 11 women who came to her home. And they said that we're going to speak about our husbands and we're not going to hide any detail whatsoever. And each one of the 11 women spoke. And then the 11th one said that my husband Abu Zarah did this, that, and the other. And the Prophet Muhammad said to Aisha that I was like Abu Zarah to Ummu to you, but I will, I will not divorce you. The interesting thing is a description of woman number five from the eleven. What did she say about her husband praising him? She said, Zawji, إذا daqala fahid, Wa itha kharaja asid, Wa la yas'alu anna ahid. She said that my husband, when he comes into the house, he's like a leopard. But when he leaves the house, he's like a lion. And when he returns home, he does not ask me about anything about the house. What does she mean? It's obvious when she says he goes out of the house, he's like a lion, meaning he's brave. And when he comes into the house, he doesn't ask about any of the house matters, meaning he doesn't accuse her or does not have faith in her. He does not distrust her. He doesn't ask about anything. He fully trusts her. And the first description he said when he comes into the home, he's like a leopard. The scholars of Hadith, they said what, is, what she is saying is that my husband, he is a man who engages in taghaful. He overlooks matters. Because the leopard, by his nature, he is sleepy. Yanamu kathiran. He's always sleeping. And one who is asleep is inattentive. So she is saying that my husband is like the leopard when he comes home, meaning he's inattentive, he sleeps a lot. What she means by that as a metaphor, that he does not focus on my faults. He's purposely ignoring my mistakes. And that is a praiseworthy characteristic in a human being. And no marriage can survive without it. And al Hassan al-Basri, he said, "Mustaqsa كَرِيمٌ qat." No honorable man seeks to receive all of his rights in full. لا there will be elements of your rights as a husband and of course as a wife that will not be fulfilled in full by your spouse. An honorable person is one who learns how to feign ignorance and looks at the bigger picture and says most of the things are well so we can move on. And when a man called Uthman ibn Za'ida, he said, Al-haafiyyat asharatu ajza' Tis'atun minha Uthman ibn Za'ida he said that Well-being, being well, is of ten parts. Nine parts of it is in being able to overlook. Huh? Your, your well-being, your haafiyyat, your happiness will come 90%, he is saying, from your ability to overlook things that bother you. Imam Ahmad, when he heard this, he said, no, no, no. Ahmad said, afiyah, well-being, is ten parts. All ten parts are in taghaful. The idea of overlooking. And that is expected from you, as I said, as a brother, more than anyone else. And this is how we understand the ayah in the Quran where Allah said, <laughs> that men have a degree over them. Men have a degree over them. What is meant by this degree that they have over women? Ah, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, he said that the strongest opinion, in my opinion, with respect to this ayah is what Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, who said that this is the ability of a man to overlook some of his rights in marriage and to accept lesser of a deal whilst giving his full rights to his spouse. That's the behavior of a noble individual and that's the behavior of a of a leader if you want to put this principle into practice the idea of learning how to not be a nitpicker what do you do i'll give you three steps before we conclude first thing If you are a nitpicker, you're constantly nitpicking everything about your wife or husband, their dress, or their appearance, or their ibadah, or their spirituality, or their cooking, or their working, or if you're constantly commenting about something, the first thing you need to do is ask yourself the question, where is this coming from? Why am I like this? This could be for several reasons, and each reason has its own treatment. It could be because this is how your parents treated you. They were constantly criticizing you. And now childhood is catching up with adulthood. It could be because you are calling for attention. Sometimes this nitpicking is a scream for attention. Sometimes it's because um, you've got nothing better to do. You just need to busy yourself with something else so that you stop focusing on these unnecessary details that's ruining the marriage. Sometimes this nitpicking is because of resentment. There's a bigger problem in a relationship and it's appearing in the form of nitpicking. So that's the first thing, an internal conversation. Why am I like this? Where is it coming from? And treat it accordingly. Number two, before you nitpick, before you focus on the detail, pause, breathe, reflect. Do I need to speak? Am I focusing on the rows of a situation or am I just focusing on the thorns? If you're focusing on the thorns, the negative of a situation, then ask yourself the question, how important is it in the grand scheme of things? And if it is like someone who's turning off water when there is a fire in the house, I say to you, yes, involve yourself. Otherwise, you will probably need to overlook it and keep your criticism to yourself. That's number two, think before you speak. Number three, if you decide that I do need to nitpick or I do need to say something, Then perhaps employ what they call in the world of business, the sandwich approach. This is something that business professionals are speaking about nowadays and touting it, the idea of sandwiching a negative criticism in two layers of praise. So it looks something like this, that you are so good at such and such, you're wonderful, you're brilliant. And by the way, this could be improved here and there and the other, but by the way, you are wonderful and great. They call it the sandwich approach. These are three suggestions for those who are studying, who are struggling with this principle that says, He made known some of it and he overlooked other parts. Brothers and sisters, in conclusion to this principle, there will be situations in your marriage that are simply unsolvable. There is no fix for it. If you want to be married, you're going to have to accept that there are certain battles that you are going to lose. And if you are a wise spouse, you will accept to lose a few of those battles so that you can win the war. And just by virtue of people coming together from different backgrounds, different cultures, different acceptabilities, different experiences in life, there's going to be a clash. And therefore, if you're always trying to fix it, you're going to have an issue. Rather, there is a shift that needs to be made. Rather than seeing my problem as a problem that needs a solution. No, I shift it and I think about it as a challenge that requires management. However, if you are constantly nitpicking, what you will find is that your spouse will begin to hate your advice that comes from you. You say, I just want to help you. She says, I don't want your help. It's not because she doesn't need it, it's because she's resenting it, because it's coming from you and you and her eyes or his eyes, you've become a nitpicker. Ah, so being this nitpicker who does not know how to overlook is a very low social intelligence move. And it's a very quick way to remove from you, sister, your attractiveness and your appeal from the eyes of your husband. And it's a very quick way, my brother, to demolish your charisma and leadership in a relationship when you don't know how to overlook certain petty matters that do not affect the grand scheme of your relationship. These are two principles we've covered today. Principle 10, your Lord has proclaimed that if you are are grateful, he will increase you. And principle 11 where Allah says, he made known some of it and he ignored, he overlooked other parts.